guys, it's me, Audrey. Bet you weren't expecting to see me two weeks in a row. That's right, this week we have a bonus episode for you. Sometimes we just talk a little too much while we record, and it is up to me to be able to decide what is boring enough to cut out and what is exciting enough to stay in. But in this case, we talked for about 20 minutes last week about Paradise Lost, and that would have made the episode just a little too long. But also, that was 20 minutes of really, really good content that it kind of broke my heart to get rid of. So instead, we're going to do a little bit of a compromise and release episode 22A today. This will be a fun, like, 20-25 minute romp into the poem Paradise Lost, and we talk about what it's about, and some of the themes and characterizations that are in that poem. So I hope you enjoy. Paradise Lost is in blank first, which means that it is metrical, but it has unrhymed lines. Metric means the emphasis that it, it, it means the emphasis that you put on some syllables and the emphasis you leave off of some syllables, which comes naturally for most people. So a really popular metric is iambic pentameter. And you've probably heard that term before, but maybe don't entirely know what it means. And what it is is a type of kind of rhythm that a sentence will have, kind of da-dum, 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 you know? Um, so an example is Shakespeare's Sonnet 12. When I do count the clock that tells the time, you know, it's it's kind of one and the other. And there are a lot of versions of this, to swell the gourd and plump the hazel shells. It's And the reason why you've probably heard the term iambic pentameter before is because you studied Shakespeare at some point in mm-hmm. high school, and he wrote everything in iambic pentameter. And it gets and a little so, old after a while, I'll be honest. Yeah, it really does. And again, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I was supposed to be really impressed in high school because he wrote an iambic pentameter all the time. Mm-hmm. And then as an adult, I'm just like, that seems like a lot of energy towards something that just gets really old really fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it is it is another kind of thing that authors have to or poets have to make an effort to make sure that the rhythm is right. Um, it doesn't get old in Paradise Lost, though. It actually really helps flow the story along. It's it makes it really easy to kind of keep moving forward you know so Milton actually didn't intend to write a biblical epic he he wanted to kind of follow the tradition of most epics and write about a hero or um you know a god or a demigod or something like that which is interesting because I'm going to get to Satan in a little bit and we're going to talk about why or why not he is a hero and that is um Satan is the most talked about character in this epic and I found myself uncomfortably sympathizing with him throughout the whole thing it's really weird um so it was originally 10 books he expanded it to 12 and it is the story of the fall of man um and one of the first we we were required to memorize the first what like 25 or 30 lines of this poem and recite them in class and that was really irritating because i think memorizing is it's actually fairly easy for me, but memorizing just for memorization's sake, it's just, it, it's really irritating to me, you know, but I, the fact is, is this was meant to be told, you know, and mm-hmm. I think, I believe my professor wanted us to have the experience of standing in front of the class and reciting the first few lines of this epic. And one of those lines is, um, explains the point of the epic, which is to justify the ways of God to man. And that's interesting because you never really you never really think of God having to have his ways justified. But 
for so many things that happen in the world, you know, you kind of, you'd like to know, like, why is it this way? You know, and that's one of the oldest questions. Like, why is the world the way it is? And this epic tries to answer that question and tries to justify the things that God's, that God does, um, you know, so we can understand a little bit better. And so epics also have another tradition other than oral tradition called in medias res. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It is a um, literary device that starts in the midst of things. That's what it literally means in the midst of things. And the famous example of this is the Odyssey, where mm-hmm. Homer is on Calypso's island, I believe, right? Oh, shoot. It's been so long. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that. Homer Homer is on Calypso's island, which he has um, been marooned on after a bunch of adventures with his men. And through memories and, you know, retelling, he, you kind of have the, the, the story exposed to you bit by bit. And this is what Paradise Lost does as well. It starts in the, it starts right as Satan has been cast down from heaven. It was right after the angelic wars in heaven, which were about, you know, who, what was it? What were the angelic wars about? Was it about who gets to like... So the traditional... I believe the traditional Christian idea is that um, Satan was jealous of humanity and the love that God had for humanity. And so he kind of wanted to like throw a wrench in that. And uh, there were a lot of other angels that felt the same way Mm -hmm. where they were like, we like, you know, because of course Mormonism is one of few uh, Christian religions that actually believes that like, humans existed as spirits beforehand yeah um and angels are different than humans Mm -hmm. so angels being perfect deserve more love than humans do and so it doesn't make sense for god to love humans more than angels Mm -hmm. yeah and okay awesome so that that's another theme that will come by later because Satan kind of rallies his little rebels. So they get cast down and tells Capital City, which is called Pandemonium. (laughs) And uh, so he consults with his fellow devils about corrupting God's new creation, Earth. And like Audrey said, he kind of has this jealous streak and kind of this indignation because they are angels. They are perfect. And they why why should someone so perfect and good be bossed around even by their creator, which he kind of denies eventually that God is God created him. Anyway, so after Earth is created, God eventually creates Adam and Eve. And I'm not going to get into details about the Genesis story because everyone kind of knows it. Um, and even if you don't, just look up the Bible online and read like the first chapter and yeah. like, that's it. Yeah. That's the, all of it. Don't don't read anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can if you want. I'd be impressed if you did. Um, so Adam and Eve, uh, I think what I really liked about this epic is that uh, Milton takes these characters, these really familiar characters, but he talks about them as if they're n- real, you know, and it, the feeling I get from Genesis is that, you know, Adam is a man and Eve is a woman. That's pretty much it. But mm-hmm. what I loved about Paradise Lost is that Adam and Eve have distinct personalities and they are a loving husband and wife and a, a sexual relationship. And it, it doesn't quite talk about that in the bible except for the shame that they feel when they like realize they're naked after they've sinned and stuff but it talks about how loving they are and their relationship and how they grow together and trust each other and it's so heartwarming to see because they're all that each they're they're all that each other has got and it really is 
it really is such a gorgeous relationship. And there is a quote by Adam, and this is actually book five, but it really kind of encapsulates their relationship for me. Um, So this is after they've been cast out of the Garden of Eden, but this is Adam speaking to Eve. Let us no more contend, nor blame each other, blamed enough elsewhere, but strive in offices of love, how we may lighten each other's burden in our share of woe. And I just think that is such a good, (laughs) that's such a good summary of what marriage should be, you know, to an extent, like if our shared woe is like self-inflicted, you know, maybe we got some stuff to talk about, but like we're in this together, you know, we've been cast out and let us, I, I know we could start blaming each other and saying it's your fault, it's your fault or it's whatever, but how about we just stick together, you know? Yeah. And it's, I really like it because so often, like you said, Adam and Eve are presented simply as here's man and woman. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people interpret the story to be one of the morals to be woman is weak and therefore she is inferior. Mm -hmm. And it's so like heartbreaking, really, because if you really think about it, like she kind of knew that in order to progress, there had to be sin. Oh, yeah. Yes. And and so she was the one that was like, all right, going to take the initiative to do this. Like, once she realized that that's what had to be done, she was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And so I really like this version of Eve where she is not happy about it. Mm-hmm. it, it it's, in fact, very heartbreaking. But, you know, it gives her more of a, like sense it makes her a round character yeah and it gives her more of a sense of equality where they both have their strengths and Mm -hmm. hers just happens to be this resolve to do what has to be done Mm -hmm. yep um so yeah eve is eventually she is eventually tricked by satan's fancy words and that's one of satan's biggest characteristics is his rhetoric and his ability he's charming honestly he's charming and it's awful but every Every image I have of Satan in my mind when I read this epic, is he is just extremely handsome and extremely charismatic and very, very dangerous, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Eve is kind of beguiled a little bit, although I will say that Audrey, Audrey is right in the sense that she kind of knew that there was there needed to be more to this because the the intelligence levels that Adam and Eve have um, – Adam is technically made to be more intelligent by, you know, God's hand. But Eve, um, God has made intelligent by experience. So she craves that new knowledge and she's curious. And everyone gives Eve a hard time. But, like, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for her, you know? It's really Mm -hmm. frustrating that Eve was the one that is blamed for all of this. And it's just like, well, yeah, but what are you going to do? You know, it's, it had to happen. <laughs> not be born. Yeah, I know. Exactly. That sounds not cool. Um, <laughs> so, so since she, since she sins, um, Adam is bound to her and loves her and um, he knowingly does it. And it's, he knowingly sins to be with her because they're bound together. And it's actually contested that Adam has the greater sin because Eve being like, beguiled and tricked and not really knowing what she was doing is less accountable than Adam who knew exactly. And I don't buy that. Honestly, I don't buy it. I feel like 
Eve knew exactly what she was doing because God literally told her, don't do it. Yeah. And even if Satan tricked her and convinced her, she still had, I don't know. I just don't think there's really, I don't think either sin is greater. I just think, you right. know, I just think it happened. Um. Anyway, so for a while, they enjoy the benefits of a sinful life, um, but they start feeling guilt and shame. And they actually have like this really, really explicit sexual romp right after they right after they sin because you know they're just like let's just go for it you know um but then eventually eve gets really worried about it and asks adam to plead for god or plead for mercy from god because she can't do it because whatever you know adam is the conduit to god um so when this happens the angel michael gives adam a vision of everything that will happen in the world because of their great sin he gives him a vision of everything that will happen up until the Great Flood, uh, which Noah's Ark, the story of Noah's Ark takes place. Um, and this is all going to happen because of what you did. But it's okay because a friendly guy named Jesus Christ is going to come along and atone for all your sins because he is, he's, he has... He's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. Honestly, as a historical figure, you know, religious beliefs aside, as a historical figure, I think Jesus Christ is one of the most respectable, like every day I try to be Christ-like, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever oh, yeah. that means. But I, I try to be Christ-like because he, he was truly a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so God eventually does find out and their relationship with God changes as they're cast out. Uh, they no longer have a direct communication. God is kind of this more, um, omnipotent presence that kind of has a hand in things, but you can't really tell what that is. Um, but Michael encourages Adam to find, quote, a paradise within the happier far. And that always makes me, so it, it always kind of makes me tingle because it's just like, oh, they left their paradise, but they're with each other. They can, they can find their paradise within them. And even Michael, the angel who's with God knows that it can be, it, it could be happier. It could be better for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Satan and the followers, Satan returns and says, you know, I've done it. I The paradise is ours. You know, it's God created it for humans, but it should have been for us. And now it's ours. And then they turn into snakes. <laughs> so boohoo, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So these characters are really interesting. I don't have much more to say about this. I just, honestly, this is my favorite poem. And so if I had to spend some time on, on anyone, it would have been this one. So Satan, it's contested that he is a, uh, a hero called a Hellenic hero, which... Um, is a hero that falls because of a tragic flaw. And most Greek heroes do have that quality, you know? Achilles mm-hmm. has that tragic flaw, which is literal. Hercules has a tragic flaw, which is a little bit more, you know, metaphorical. He's just kind of a butt, you know? Right. Um. Well, and even even in Greek mythology, like, the god of the gods, Zeus is just constantly mm-hmm. <laughs> making things worse for himself and for others. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, sure, he'll come along and he'll fix things eventually. Oh, yeah. But until then, you can sure as heck bet that he's the one that caused the problem in the first place. Yep, exactly. And, you know, there it can also be argued that his intentions are pure and positive because 
he really does believe that they are self-made angels that deserve paradise. And it's, it's not a thing to, it's not a thing to take away from humans or to defy God. It's a thing to, the motive is to take what, what you deserve to, you know, and I don't buy that either. I think he knows exactly. I think, I think it's, I think his motives are, you know, they are rooted in evil. Oh yeah. Very much so. Yeah, and I mean, when it comes down to it, ultimately, no matter what religion you're talking about, if you're talking about some sort of satanic or devil-like figure, one of the most common hallmarks of the character is that he is so cunning that you are convinced that he genuinely believes what it is that he's saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really is kind of a trip to read because you're kind of like, oh, yeah, all right. I kind of get where you're coming from. I know that I disagree with you because I know who you are, but I mean, it kind of, it kind of plays. It makes sense, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Satan is a really interesting character. He's really fun to talk about. I'm really excited to reread this with everyone. Um, And you can, you can edit this before because it doesn't really fit here when I'm talking about Adam and Eve's marriage, because Mm -hmm. this is my favorite little, this aspect of their marriage is that Adam is completely obsessed with Eve, like completely obsessed And he has a quote here that I've written down, and this is Adam speaking about Eve. So much delights me as those grateful acts, those thousand decencies that daily flow from all her words and actions mixed with love and sweet compliance, which declare unfeigned union of mind or us both one soul. And he just like is over, over the moon for this girl. And Eve, she loves, she loves Adam, but she's kind of... She she is not what she is not the classic Eve. She loves Adam, but she is not submissive. And she actually kind of feels a little smothered at some point and at one point suggests that they work in different parts of the garden. <laughs> like this literally like, we need some I time. Need my space. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so and it's so cute, but that's uh, that's the point where she gets tempted by Satan. So, you know, maybe Adam Adam provided qualities that she might have needed and vice versa, but I just find it so funny that that she has that detail and then she's like, we need some space, you know, Yeah. you go work on the, go work on, you know, the sea animals and I'll go work on the birds. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> something. Yeah. Anyway, um, paradise lost people. It's, uh, it's, it's difficult. I'm not going to lie, but it is, I don't know if you're going to read something old, you should start with this. Don't, don't read Shakespeare. Don't read Beowulf. Don't uh, just don't read those read paradise lost. It's beautiful. me audrey again thanks for joining us on this little bonus episode uh if you like what you just heard and maybe you want more bonus episodes in the future let us know Uh, our social media accounts haven't changed you can find us on twitter at kittens and kanye and on instagram at kitten whiskers and kanye just uh tweet at us or leave a comment on any of our pictures or you can email us at kitten whiskers and kanye at gmail.com And we will see you next week with even more poetry talk. We're going to be talking about poetry from the last couple of centuries. And it was a lot of fun to record. And I really look forward to you guys being able to hear it. Bye.